Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy! Praise God. Good morning. So great to be here. My voice is a little hoarse because women, did we have an awesome time at the conference? The worship was incredible. The workshop, everything was beautiful. And my voice is gone because we, what was like 45 minutes overtime in worship. So um, it was pretty incredible. It was awesome. So you notice there, that's not Ed and I. Uh, there's an arm wrestling match going on. And as you know, some of you know, we're going through the Bible, the entire Bible this year. Last year we did it. This year with a different angle. What we're going to do is we're going to look for God sightings, look for the working of the Holy Spirit. And the wrestling match that's going on in the beginning of the book, the very first chapter, you see there's a power struggle happening. There's two brothers, Solomon and Adonijah. They're both sons of David. Now, David at this point, it's kind of a sad picture. We see we we saw him as a mighty king and a conqueror. His heart was after God. He was repentant. God used him mightily. But we see he's an old man. He can't even keep warm. They say they have to put blankets on him just to keep him warm. And that doesn't even work. And so Adonijah, one of his sons from a different marriage, um, he decides to take it upon himself. I'm going to gather some chariots together, and I'm going to get some horsemen, and we're going to celebrate because I'm going to exalt myself as king. So that's what he does. Essentially, he's gathering an army behind him. So... Nathan the prophet gets wind of this, and he goes and he speaks to David, and he says, do you see what's happening? Didn't you promise Bathsheba that your son Solomon would be the rightful heir? So he calls Nathan, Nathan the prophet. Now, this is really interesting. He, remember with Saul and David last week, we talked about it, they were both anointed. Oil was poured upon them. It was a ceremony, but the Lord anointed them and appointed them to be king. So we see the priest or the prophet is now told by the king to anoint and appoint the the rightful heir. And let's read what it says. These are simple instructions. Once Solomon was brought before his father, He said this to him, I'm about to go the way of the earth, so be strong. Act like a man. Doesn't that sound like fatherly advice? Act like a man and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and his commands, his laws and his regulations, as it is written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do 
and wherever you go. Simple. Simple equation, right? You do what the Lord says, follow his ways and his commands, his his decrees, and your reign will be successful. Now, this advice wasn't just for David. It was for every, I mean, for Solomon. It was for every king that would follow. Same equation. So eventually David does die and Solomon becomes king. And he started so well. I mean, the Lord spoke to him. He asked, God, give me wisdom to lead this this people and grant me uh, the skill, the wisdom to discern between good and evil. And he prays this and you know what? God answered his prayer. He was pleased with that request. God answered him and he gave him profound wisdom. People would come from different kingdoms just to hear his wisdom. And on top of that, icing on the cake, he gave him great wealth. He was, he was wealthier than ever any other king before him. So he blessed him. He started so well. This Solomon was the same king who built the majestic temple. I mean, people, laymen and royalty would come to see this beautiful, ornate temple that was built to honor God. I mean, he was, this is where the Ark of the Covenant was placed. The presence of God was. I mean, David, I mean, Solomon wrote three books in the Bible. Proverbs, Song of Solomon, and Ecclesiastes. So he started so well, and the story takes a sad turn. And I want us to read this in 1 Kings chapter 11. We see, it says this, chapter 1, I mean, verse 1, chapter 11. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians and Hittites. They were all from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not marry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, everybody say, nevertheless. Solomon held fast to them in love and he had 700 wives of royal birth. Now think about royal birth. That means other kingdoms. 700 wives. Ed, poor Ed, he has to deal with just one. 700 wives. And on top of that, 300 concubines. They were like second-class wives. And as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to him not fully devoted to the Lord, his God, as the heart of his father, David, had been. So let that be a warning to us. We need to finish well. We need to finish well to keep on track. But they turned his heart away, and eventually King Solomon dies. And then there's another wrestling match, because here... There's two individuals that want to be king. There's Jeroboam and Rehoboam. And they are wrestling. So finally, there's a split in the kingdom. Northern kingdom ends up with 10 tribes. 
and they followed Jeroboam. And the southern kingdom, they followed two tribes, and that was the kingdom of Judah. And you know what happened here? Both lines, both kingdoms failed to follow that equation, the equation that every king was to follow. And one king in particular, this King Jeroboam, he led the people into idol worship and sin. Look what God says about him in 1 Kings chapter 14. He says this, you have done more evil than all who lived before you. Can you imagine? More than all who lived before you. You have made yourself, made for yourself other gods, idols made of metal. You have aroused my anger and turned your back on me. So that was what was happening in the northern kingdom. In the, in the southern kingdom, Rehoboam was no better because he led the people into pagan worship, false religion. And year after year, if you read in the first and second kings, those books, failure after failure, king after king. And, and these are the phrases that would follow their name. I remember one year I went through and I, I was looking for a good king, you know, but it all said he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He followed in the sins of his fathers. His heart was not loyal to him over and over. And you know what? It wasn't getting any better. It was getting worse and worse. The leadership of the nation was getting worse and worse. And eventually, Ahab becomes king. Now, in chapter 16, we see what happened. It says, in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab sent Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel, and he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, we just talked about him. He did the worst than ever, but he was even worse than him. Uh, but he also married Jezebel. Jezebel was the daughter of Ethbiel, king of the Sidonians, and they began to worship Baal, to serve this false god. He even allowed the temple prostitutes uh, to honor the fertility goddess Ashtaroth. So things have declined terribly in the nation. Verse 33 says this, he did more to arouse the anger of the Lord the God of Israel, then did all the king of Israel before him. And that was like a God moment. That was like enough. You know, like you, we do this. It's like, I've had enough. I mean, it was like the darkest period of time for the nation. And God, what he does, you know, I can't help to look at our nation We've had leader after leader, I don't care what party you're in, fail us. They failed us because they didn't listen to the formula. Honor God, follow God, follow his decrees, and you'll be blessed. But that's another story. In the middle of the darkest period in the history of Israel, God sends light. It brings about a revival. 
And here's what I want to see. He, he puts an end to the corruption. He sends a prophet. His name is Elijah. Elijah is a bold, courageous man of God. And he has really been so grieved by what he sees happening in his nation. He calls upon the Lord. The Lord tells him to proclaim in the nation that there's going to be a drought. Three years, no rain. Guess who the God of rain is? Baal. The one they're following. And Ashtaroth, the fertility goddess. Nothing's growing. There's a drought in the land. And actually, King Ahab sends out hitmen looking for him. And he's trying to find him to kill him because he's blaming him for the drought. When all along, it's his own lack of following God's decrees. So let's look in verse eight, uh, chapter 18, starting in verse 17. He actually confronts the king. Now, know this. The king has been looking for him to kill him. And here he boldly goes right before the king. And this is what he says. When the king said, uh, when he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you trouble of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family before you have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands. You have followed the Baals. Now summon the people. Now he's telling the king what to do. Summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Jezebel, his wife, was tight with all these false prophets. They were her buds, okay? And he's telling him, bring them here. Now, Elijah says to the people, verse 21, Elijah went before the people and he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. You know, there was like a, a veil over their eyes. I don't know what to follow. I don't know what's true. And again, I can't help to think about what's happening here in our, in our own country. But the challenge was simple. Now, the little backstory, here's what Elijah told them. He said, okay, we are going to sacrifice to the Lord. And we'll have two altars. You and the false prophets will be here, and they're going to set up an altar. And they're going to uh, call upon their god, Baal. And he's going to start the fire and accept the offering. And then I'll do the same here. So it's kind of comical if you read in First Kings what happens. Here are the, the false prophets. They're crying out to God. They're embarrassing themselves. They start to cut themselves and bleed because they figured, well, well, maybe Baal will take some my blood. And, you know, they put the offering there and they cry in upon God. And I love Elijah. About noontime, they started in the morning worship, nothing. No answer. Then around noontime, Elijah says this. He starts to taunt them. Sing louder, he said. Surely he's God. Perhaps he's in deep thought or busy. 
or traveling. Maybe he's asleep and he has to be awake. He, he needs to be awakened. One version says he's on vac- maybe he's on vacation. But they kept, you know, dancing around and yelling out to their false god. Nothing happened. Now it was Elijah's turn. What a beautiful picture this is. So Elijah, he sets up his altar. He gets 12 stones to represent the tribes of Israel. He puts the wood there, cuts up the offering and places that on the wood. Then he digs a trench around the altar. And he does something really strange. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit tells you to do strange things. You just got to do it. You just got to listen. So he says, okay, bring some water. I want you to drench the offering. Drench it. So they come, they pour water all over the the meat, the sacrifice, the wood, the stones. Okay, they're done. Come on, bring some more water. And they do it again. A third time, he calls them. And he tells them, I want you to saturate this this altar. So, I mean, instead it was so wet that it, the, the uh, ditch that he built around the altar was filled with water. The trench was filled. Pretty hopeless in the natural for that thing to burn up. But Elijah, just one simple, heartfelt prayer. He called down fire. And the fire of the Lord. Let's look at this. Verse 33. I mean, yeah. Verse uh, 36. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and he prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things that you commanded me. Answer the Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back to me again. Then the fire of God, the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and it licked up all the water in the trench. Do you see Fire consuming the sacrifice, that would have been enough. It was saturated, but he vaporized the offering. Do you see what he did? He vaporized it. The stones, the wood, everything was destroyed by the fire of God. And what happened? What did it do? It caused the people to exclaim, God is the true God. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The the blinders were removed. They saw the truth. They were able to recognize that they were fed a big, fat lie. That Baal was not the true God. Only the Lord God was God. I love the message version. It says they, they exclaimed, God is the true God. God is the true God. The reality of that. You know, what the, whole, the Holy Spirit is often shown in symbols, and one of them is fire. What rantings and ravings couldn't do for generations, the Holy Spirit did in a moment. 
He did in a moment. And I, you know, fire didn't just consume the meat and the wood, but it consumed an agenda, an agenda of a false, evil kingdom. Because every facet of Jewish life was tainted with Baal worship, false worship. You know, uh, you know, I'm not political. Definitely, I'm not getting political. But the same fire can destroy the woke agenda that we see going on here today. Yeah, I don't care whether you're Democrat, Republican. I don't care. But there is lies being fed to us. And only the Holy Spirit can change hearts and open and remove the veils that are in people's eyes. It's the anointing that will break the yoke. It's the anointing that breaks curses. One simple display of the power of God and the curse of generations was removed. Hallelujah. Today, I know there's so many people here, and there's many of you, me included. We have prodigals. We've been praying for a long time. You see what the anointing can do in one minute? There's a battle cry today. There's a battle cry. And we, need, we can't be neutral because evil must be conquered by good. There's a spiritual problem in our nation. It's not a political one. So the spell was removed. The people's eyes were opened. And, you know, what a victory. And Elijah tells the, the people of Israel, okay, now I want you to execute all these false prophets. And that's what they did. 450 uh, and 400 plus 400 of Ashtaroth. Killed, destroyed, wiped out. What a victory. Evil was destroyed. And the influence upon the people was removed. And you would think that Elijah would be thrilled and like, on the, you know, floating. Yeah, wow, what a victory. But Jezebel gets wind of what happened to her prophets. Remember, they were her close friends. So Jezebel hears about it. And she again threatens him. And what, what does he do? What do you think he does? He runs. He runs away. He thinks he's the only one that's, that God has. He runs away. Even that, that's a plot twist here. But I don't know if, about you, but sometimes the darkest moment of your walk with the Lord, you feel alone, you feel abandoned, you feel discouraged, and that's when God speaks to us. You know, and sometimes we're waiting for him to speak in a certain way, and it's not the way he speaks. Look at this in chapter 19. Elijah was hiding in a cave. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain and in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, 
He pulled his cloak over his face, and he went and he stood at the mouth of the cave. And this, the voice said to him, this is the Lord, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? But it was a gentle voice. The Holy Spirit sometimes speaks in that way. Can you hear him? Are you listening? We look at the entire book of 1 Kings, and we can see that the Holy Spirit was ignored time and time again. God needed a prophet to open the eyes so that people could hear the voice of God. I mean, the kings wouldn't listen. Generals were too weak to hear God's voice. Think about all the trouble they could have avoided. Think about, if you read through Kings, you you see the tragedies, the deaths uh, that could have been avoided, the potential that could have been reached if they followed the formula. But the Holy Spirit does speak gently. And disobedience doesn't keep the Holy Spirit from speaking when we disobey, but it keeps us from hearing. The Holy Spirit whispers. I I don't know if it was the worship team that was talking about above the noise. Sometimes there's so much clamoring around in the world that we can't hear the whisper of God. And second, second Kings, that book, it gets worse. The patterns are the same. There's this cycle. Israel follows the Lord for a season, and then they drift away. And God sends judgment on them. And then they call back to the Lord. But they're not wholeheartedly following God. In the kingdom, it's all a consequence of what happened with the wrestling match and the separation, Jeroboam, the two kingdoms, Rehoboam. Jesus said, a house divided cannot stand. And this house was not standing because the northern kingdom was taken by the Babylonian, I mean, by the Assyrians, The southern kingdom was led into captivity by the Babylonians. So we see exiled people, broken people, away from their homeland. And after the reign of Solomon, we remember he was anointed, right? No other king was anointed by God, not one. There was no righteous God. You could look through it and highlight, he did evil, he did evil. But there was one king in the northern kingdom who came close and his name was Jehu. We're going to see that in 2 Kings chapter 10. should be behind me. The Lord said to Jehu, because you have done well in accomplishing what is right in the eyes of the Lord and have done to the house of Ahab all I had in mind to do, your descendants will sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. You know, when I go through this story, I can't help to think, you know, a modern-day scenario. Anybody ever watch The Godfather? The Godfather 2? You know, when they <laughs> they wipe everybody out? I mean, it's like revenge time. It's like settling the score. And all of a sudden, this is what happens. Jehu, I mean, he he destroys the wicked kings of Judah. He kills Jehu's family, 70 sons that are killed of King Ahab, and he throws Jezebel out of a two-story building 
He says she lands on the do- on the ground. The, the dogs eat her. I mean, it, it's a bloody mess. The only thing left her are the palms of her hands. Gruesome story. But it said the Lord asked him to do this. Look at this. He was anointed. He was one king that was anointed by God. They used to pour oil on the kings. And that's how they would show the anointing. And here, look at this in in 2 Kings 9. Jehu got up and went into the house. And then the prophet poured the oil on Jehu's head and declared, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anoint you king over the Lord's people. It was an anointing by God. It wasn't a ceremonial thing. It wasn't something that, you know, was just of man. God was behind this. And look at this as he continues to destroy evil. It says in 2 Kings chapter 10, uh, 26, beginning, they brought the sacred stone out of the temple of Baal and they burned it. They demolished the sacred stone of Baal. That's where they did all their worshiping and, and their offerings. They tore down the temple of Baal and the people used it as a, a latrine to this day. Does everybody know what a latrine is? It's an outhouse. They used the objects that they worshiped as a latrine. That's what the anointing does to evil. That's what the anointing will do. It destroys the kingdom of hell. But Jehu compromised. Remember last week we talked about hearts being totally devoted to the Lord? He compromised. It says, oh God, how could the oil of the Holy Spirit didn't fill every part of his heart. And it's the nature of the Holy Spirit to fill what's empty, to empower what's weak, and to bless whatever is surrendered to him. Anybody want that? Power of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's an account in the book of Second Kings of a poor widow. Now, she had two sons. She was very poor, and she owed a debt. And the creditors came to get the money. And they, she had nothing to give. So they threatened to take her son, both her sons, as slaves in payment for her debt. Can you imagine the heart of a mother? She was a widow. This was all she had. And she goes desperately to the prophet. And she says, this is the prophet Elisha. And she says, please do something for me. And he says, what do you have in your house? And she said, I have some oil. I have some oil in a jar. God will use whatever we have, right? Amen. So he said, he instructs her, tell your sons. I want your son, your sons to gather as many vessels as you can from your neighbors. Go and gather. Be quick and come back. And you see what the Lord's going to do. So her sons bring back the variety of sizes and shapes. And and she takes her little bit of oil and she pours it into the first jar. It's filled. Sets it aside. Come on, son, bring me another one. He brings another one, fills it. It's filled to the top. 
Come on, son. Keep them coming. She fills it over and over with this valuable oil. Over and over as they bring the vessels to her. And finally she says, come on, I need another one. And they say, that's it, Ma. That's all we got. And at that moment, the oil stopped flowing when there was no place to put the oil. Look at this. Well, I guess we, can, we don't have to read that because I just paraphrased it. <laughs> so she and her sons kept collecting and collecting. You know, again, oil is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. Look at that. Kept flowing and flowing. King Jehu didn't allow that oil to fill every space in his heart. He compromised. He allowed idolatry. Look at this in 2 Kings. Jehu was not careful to keep the law of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all his heart. He did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, which had caused Israel, uh, he caused Israel to commit. He allowed idolatry. So the widow and her sons experienced a supernatural flow of oil. And it stopped whenever it didn't have a place to go. And that's how the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is gentle in nature. And whether it's his voice or the oil, he wants us to be filled completely. Every part saturated, just like that altar. But we need to accept Jesus. I mean, that's the first step. Did you accept Jesus as Lord? Did he forgive you of your sins? Did you acknowledge and thank him for that gift of eternal life? Because if you did, the Holy Spirit was deposited in you at that very moment. But is he in every part of your heart? It's not how much of the Holy Spirit you have, but how much the Holy Spirit has of you. How much did you surrender to him? Did you give him your all? Will you be like Jehu, who gave almost everything but kept some parts to himself and didn't allow that oil to come in? Or will you be opened and surrendered to him? I really, I think that we need to act today. I love our altar time here. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand at this point. Every one of you is a jar. Every one of you can be filled to the top, empowered by the Holy Spirit. But it takes surrender, wholehearted surrender. If you're willing to do that, and would you play that song that I I requested? This song that as it's playing, I want us to come up here to the altar and really ask the Holy Spirit. I want all of you. I want to fill, I want to be filled completely. Lord, remove anything that doesn't belong. It's this time of surrender now. So God is very persuasive. The Holy Spirit is persuasive, but he's not invasive. He's not going to 
force himself on you. And whether you're new in the Lord, whether you've drifted from the Lord, or whether you just want a renewal and an awakening, I want you to get out of your seats. And where's my music, folks? Where's my music? Thank you. I want you to move out of the aisles. I want you to come before him. Lift up your hands and surrender to him wholeheartedly, rejecting the things that are of the world. Give it to him. Give him every part of you, every part of you. Lord, be like Isaiah. Lord, send me, use me, take me. Oh, thank you, Lord. Fill me. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's give him a clap offering. Oh, God is doing it. He's doing a mighty work here. Mighty work individually and corporately. Hallelujah. Be Elijah's. Be bold. Be courageous to speak truth and remove those blinders that are in people's eyes. God bless you and have a wonderful day. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch on demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.